Hallelujah. All right, so we are still in our teaching series, The Church, Soul Battles, and Deliverance. The Church, Soul Battles, and Deliverance. It sounds like three separate things, but when I get done with this series, you'll see that they're all one. The church is those people who are called out of darkness. Hallelujah. I need everybody's attention. I need everybody's attention. Hallelujah. The church is those who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church is not those who are just born again. It's those who have signed up to grow up and to be everything the Father has called them to do. Now, what then it leads us to soul battles. Soul battles happen because of ignorance or disobedience. The Father says one thing, we say another. The Father says one thing, the world says another. The fact that we won't come into agreement with him, there's a battle there. And how many of you know that you cannot get your purpose, you cannot get your destiny, you cannot get your blessings, watch this, if you ignore the Father. If you ignore the Father. He's going to make sure that you hear him. No man will go without hearing him. No man will have any excuses. He, the whole purpose of scripture, the whole purpose of the Bible is because what? Come on, y'all. We've been doing this for a long time. Because God simply wants to be a father. This is why the Bible exists. The Bible does not exist because he wanted to create humans so they could tell him how good he is. So we can just show up and sing songs to him. No, he invested. He gave his son that you can have purpose, that you can have life, that you can have all of the promises that belong to you. The Bible said that he predestined us to conform to the image of his son. So everybody sitting in this room, everybody on this earth, he predetermined your purpose, your destiny. He wrote the book before you were born. Now it is your job to open the book and walk the chapters along with him. Amen. And when we don't do this and we ignore the book that he has already written for us, we end up needing deliverance. Because we are walking in sin, because we are not walking in his will, we end up needing what? Deliverance. He pulled us out of darkness, brought us into his marvelous light, and we go right back into it. Now we need what? Deliverance. So on today, we're going to continue our mini-series inside the series. The Miseducation of the Soul. The miseducation of the soul. And today we're going to talk about Abba's discipline. We need to understand Abba's discipline, his form of discipline. Man has a way of disciplining us, but then the Father has a way of disciplining us. So the miseducation of the soul. Miseducation is to educate, to teach, or to inform wrongly. Education, learning is important because the Father wants us to know a certain thing. It's something that he wants us to know. And then it's things he did not want us to know. He gave Adam 
the assignment of eating from the tree of life. He said, eat from every tree, but don't eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's some things that he does not mind us knowing. There's some things that he wants us to know. Then there's some things that he does not want us to know. And how many of y'all know that it is a human tendency to go in the direction that we should not go? You know, it is human tendency to want what the father said we cannot have. That is what we call lust. It ain't just sexual. Lust is us craving for anything that he said you cannot have that. So the miseducation of the soul. Now, education, new foundations are important because education is where we get our systems from. How many of you know the father had a plan in the beginning? He had a plan in the beginning. And it wasn't for us to come here walk on eggshells and hope we get a seat in heaven. It wasn't so we can show up, tell him how great he is while we suffer, while we're weak and feeble. We, we arrive here just to tell him how great he is and we never hear him tell us how great we are. We never hear his encouraging words. We never hear him tell us how much he loves us. Do I have my, um, my slide for the definition of discipline? Just go ahead and give that to me right now. I need you to go ahead and take, y'all know y'all what y'all do, y'all take pictures and stuff like that. I wanted to get some printouts, uh, but I didn't get a chance to because we need to understand what discipline is. Take your picture, do whatever you have to do because you need to know this. Now, I got it right out of the Greek. All right, right out of the Greek concordance. This isn't formulated. This is not my opinion. It says discipline is the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for the purpose now commandments and admonitions, now reproofs and punishments. So when it deals with discipline, the father is telling us do this right now. It says a now command, a now admonition, a now reproof, a now punishment. By implication, disciplinary correction, chastening, chastisement, instructions, it means to nurture. It also includes the training and care of the body. Somebody say fasting. Okay. Sometimes that's a discipline, him just telling you to go on the fast. And in you going on that fast, sometimes when you attempt to go on the fast, you can tell how carnal you are. Ain't nobody going to say amen to that. It's whatever is in adults or adulthood that cultivates the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. It deals with tutorage, instructions which aim to increase us in virtue. So we're going to talk today from the title of uh, Miseducation of the Soul, Abba's Discipline. Our scriptural teaching is going to come from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to go from verses 1 through, I think, 15, 17. All right, we're going to go through those scriptures because the Father wants us to be disciplined. Amen. So it reads, now, 
In chapter 11, the writer of Hebrew talks about those who lived and walked in the faith. And it gives a hall of fame of those who walked in faith. So we're, when we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 12, this is what he talks about when he says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So when the Father asks us to walk in the faith, we have a cloud of witnesses. We have people who have already done it. So you can't say that you can't. Plus, plus, the ones who did it in chapter 11 didn't have Christ. They couldn't say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. They walked the walk. They lived the faith, and they didn't have what you have. They were not equipped. No one in the Old Testament had the privilege of calling God Father. So when he tells us, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he said, let us, say us, let us lay aside every hindrance or weight and sin that easily ensnares us. Now, why would he tell us that? Because he wants you to have your destiny. Amen. The father wants you to have your destiny more than you want your destiny. And that's the problem. It says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So we talk about that he knows the end of a thing before the beginning. So he created the book of life for you. You, you have a book of life that he's, there's all, no matter how old you are, the book has been working. The book has been open. Whether we walk with it or walk in it, that's up to us. But he says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Verse 2, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. The Bible tells us, let the mind that was in Christ be also in us. The first time I heard that and I got the revelation of that, what I did was I went back and studied Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because if we're going to have the mind that was in Christ, the only way we know is to, in the Gospels. So when we look in the Gospels, we can see the ministry and the life of what an authentic child of God looks like. And we don't have to worry. Look, let's skip. Don't worry about the healing. Don't worry about the walking on water. Don't worry about the casting out of devils. Don't worry about that. Just worry about him being a son to the father. The fact that he heard his father's voice. Because we, we put the cart before the horse sometimes. We can't even hear his voice accurately, and we want to heal, we want to deliver, we want to walk on water, we want to do everything he did, but we can't even hear, his father, hear the father's voice on simple corrections. So he says, keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, or the author and perfecter of our faith. Why is this? Why is Jesus the author? Because he literally wrote the book on faith. <laughs> he is the book of faith. If we look at his life, we see how he carried out faith. Watch this. 
It says, keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Here it goes. For the joy that lay before him. Now, he told you, you have a race that lays before you. The joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He wrote the book on faith. He joyously endured his assignment. He joyously, he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't always pleased. I didn't say he did it smiling. But he knew that in doing it, that he would please the father and in the father's assignment. I just gave you a nugget. Sometimes you just need to be happy because the father told you to do it and you're doing his will. It don't matter how you feel. It don't matter how you feel. And when you learn to do that, you will have more joy. When you learn to put his assignment first and just deal with the repercussions, the consequences, the things that can happen during the assignment, you will have a life of joy. The reason why you might not have joy is because you complain too much. Every time he gives you assignment and you don't like it, you don't want to, every time he gives it to you and you get a headache, you get a scratch on your, a, a, a splinter in your hand, you want to give up the assignment. He sends us on the assignment and we look and see what we don't have. He equipped us, amen? He wrote the book. The Bible says he joyously endured the cross. Then it says he despised the shame. So in doing it, he wasn't ashamed that he was doing his father's will, even though, watch this, it wasn't popular. You got to think, Jesus rolled on the scene after 400 years. After 400 years, he rolled on the scene, Serena, with a whole new doctrine. With an entirely different conversation. After 400 years, the father sends him to the planet and said, I want you to preach something that they ain't never heard on the planet. And he had to despise the shame. The fact that his people in his hometown didn't support him. The fact that his brothers didn't support him. He had to despise the shame. He had to think little to nothing of his feelings as he was being disciplined. Y'all ready? Have I helped you yet? If not, I'm about, it's about to get, like they say in New York, it's about to get greasy. Okay, let me stop it. <laughs> Verse three. Y'all ready for this? Are y'all sure y'all ready for this? I'm not sure y'all. I was studying it, and I wasn't sure I was ready. I'm just asking y'all, are y'all sure you're ready for this? Okay, this, this ministry is about growth. I'm not here to entertain you. I need you to get your destiny. I need you in your purpose. The Father needs you in your purpose. Somebody's waiting on you. You are the light somebody's, need, somebody's looking for. Somebody is waiting on you. Your family, they, they're waiting on you. Y'all sure y'all ready? All right, here we go. 
So verse two, you can leave it at three. It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith for the joy that was laid before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the father. Our faith will lead us to sit in the seat that he has called us to sit in. Verse three. Here we go. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Point one. Consider. He said, keep your eyes on Jesus. So when I send you on a task, when I send you on a mission, when I put a, a, um, a call before your life, I need you to consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Is, are people coming against you? So he said, consider that Jesus dealt with that too. And if you consider it, he said, you won't grow weary or give up. So the people who are growing weary, the people who are giving up, they're not considering that Jesus already went through this. You ain't the first one. You're not the only one. You're not Elijah. I'm the only one left. No, I got 700 more prophets. Just because you don't see them. Because you don't see them does not mean it's not actively functioning. You're not the only one being persecuted. You're not the only one being talked about. You're not the only one that sometimes don't have enough. Paul said that. Paul said he went naked and he went hungry. And the Lord was with him. Can you believe that? The father was with him and he went naked. He went hungry. He had bandits that came against him. He took 39 lashes with a whip. He said he was shipwrecked. He said, and then he said, outside of dealing with all that, I still got to deal with the day-to-day -day with the church. So after I've endured all that, I've went through all that, he still said, get on your assignment. This is discipline. This is how discipline looks. They talking about you, you ain't got enough, still get on your assignment. You don't feel good, still get on your assignment. Satan beating up your brain, still get on your assignment. The Bible says, consider him who endured such hostilities. Verse 4, in struggling against sin, here you go, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So what is he saying? You ain't really been through nothing. You ain't really going through nothing. You have not, in resisting, in struggling and resisting against sin, you haven't shed any blood. Jesus had a literal cross. You get a figurative one. <laughs> he had a literal cross. You just have a figurative one. Verse 5. Here we go. Verse 5, and have, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. He said, we have forgotten, Saddam, we've forgotten. We've forgotten the exhortation. We've forgotten it. 
We forgot the exhortation that addresses you as sons. We forgot about how the father communicates with us. How he deals with us, how he talks to us. Now, exhortation is communication that urges you to take action towards righteousness. He said, you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses or communicates to you that you are his children. Now, in exhortation, there's admonition. Admonition is cautionary advice about something that can be dangerous or bring you discomfort. It's counseling against oversight or you just doing the wrong thing. With exhortation and admonition, he gives you encouragement, which means he communicates hope, he communicates promises, and he ensures you that I am there for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so he asks the question, have you forgotten the exhortation that he gives the sons? Have you forgot how he communicates with us? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. So what is the way he communicates with us? Discipline and reproof. Verse 6, for the Lord disciplines, y'all read that for me, because I, I think, I think I'm, it's a misprint. Okay. All right, we good? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. I told you, we're going to stop saying we hear the Lord told us. We're going to stop saying the Lord told us. And you, and, and you just get your way. The Lord told me to do it the way I want to do it. The Lord told me to show up when I want to show up. The Lord told me to say it how I want to say it. When the Lord talked to me, he, he, didn't, he wasn't talking about his body. He was just talking to me. He just talks to me about my purpose. He don't talk to me about his assignment. He don't talk to me about the call. I told you, there's no way that the Lord speaks to you and he don't talk about his body. He's the head. There's no way he talks to us and he don't talk to us about his body. There's no way that he talks to us and he don't say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so all things can be added to you. We gonna stop saying, you can't say that around here. You're not going to be able to say that around here. The Lord told you what? So he says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son that he receives. So every son gets what Jesus got. Every son gets loved. Say amen. But every son gets punished. That word punish means to scourge. It's what happened when Jesus took the 39, 40 webs on his back. He says every son gets it. Now, it's not literal. It's figurative. <laughs> but he says every son receives punishment. Every son receives a cross. Yeah. Every son receives a crown of thorns. 
Every son will get, someone will spit in your face figuratively. Okay. Jesus said it. He said somebody slap you on one. Turn to the next. Why? Because every son receives punishment. It's the discipline to see can you do what the father tell you under pressure. You think that the punishment is coming from the world. You think the punishment is coming from sin. But no, he says he punishes every son and he disciplines you because he loves you. So if he loves you and you're his child, you are going to receive discipline and you're going to receive punishment. Verse 7. Endure suffering. Endure suffering. Oh, my bad. Endure suffering as discipline. So no matter what you're going through, look at it as Work with me. Come on. Come on. Y'all here with me? Y'all here? So no matter what you're going through, look at it as. So no matter what you're going through, you are to look at it as discipline. This is training to bring the God out. This is training to develop. They're talking about you. Good. Because if you can't handle them talking to you and you're going to shrink and you're going to quit, then you have no assignment. That's why I told you, you can't be, at, look, I know we, want, we just want the bag. If you, if he's going to give you a million dollars, you don't have, you have no idea the prayer life you're going to have to have. You have no idea the discipline that is expected of you. You know how, you don't have no idea how you have to be tied to his assignment. Endure suffering is discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? So every child gets punishment. Every child gets love. Every child gets discipline. And the scripture asks a question. What son is there that a father does not discipline? If he doesn't discipline us, what does that mean? He doesn't love us. If I don't correct my child, if I don't discipline my child, what is that saying? Stay the same. You are right, right where you are. But every time he disciplines us, every time he corrects us, every time he reproves us, it's to bring us up, Charles. It's to bring us closer to purpose. It's to bring us closer to destiny. It's so that we will be like him in every area of our life. And right here is where the soul battle happens. Because we misunderstand discipline. And part of the reason why we misunderstand discipline is because we've never had discipline. We've never had discipline. It's an orphan issue sometimes. Because I didn't grow up with discipline. The moment the father pulled me out the world and he called me back into my assignment because I was a backslider. I got saved in high school and went off to college and lost it. The moment the father called me back in, Renee, he told me, join the military. Join the military. Why would he tell me to do that? Discipline. 
Before I can give you an assignment, I have to discipline you. And ain't nothing like military discipline because they tell you when to wake up, they tell you when to go to sleep. They tell you when you can take a vacation. They had a thing in the military where they call hurry up and wait, which means sometimes they will just make us sit there for no reason. And what they're training us for is so we won't get lethargic in wartime. So hurry up, sit there, and wait. Be patient. How many of y'all heard the father tell you that? Hurry up and wait. Just be patient. I know where I got you at. And this is the thing. The more you complain, the more you stay there. I'm helping you. The more you complain, you stay there. The more you fight against you stay there. The more you back out and shrink from your assignment, he leaves you right there. Because the whole purpose is discipline. It's because he predestined you to be like his son. And his son endured suffering. He endured the cross. A physical cross. For people, while they were talking about him. You helped others. You can't help yourself. Ooh, that will get me 3,800. And he's so disciplined, Shonby, he says, Father, forgive them. We ain't there yet, right? I get it. I get it. Look, I told you. We ain't there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There has to be a peace in there for that. There has to be, something has to be cultivated in you, Stephen, for that to happen. It has to be worked in you for that to take place. It's going to happen this week. We're going to see. <laughs> Call those things be not as though they were, right? Verse 8. But if you are without discipline, which all receive, come on, that's the word, ain't it? Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So he says, if you are without discipline, if the father is not disciplining you, he says, all his children will receive discipline. He said, if you would not take the discipline, you are illegitimate. You are a bastard. He said, you are illegitimate and you are not sons. He said, because I'm looking at you and I don't see my DNA. That's why personally me, I question some people knew birth that they ain't born again. I question it. I didn't say he did. <laughs> I question it. I think some people said it, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But then they didn't give their life. And so the confusion of Christianity is, as soon as I gave him my life, it's just supposed to get better. All my problems are supposed to go away. My money's supposed to stack high. My problems supposed to go to the side. I'm supposed to find somebody. No issues in my life. My kids supposed to behave. Everything is supposed to be peachy in Georgia. So he says, if you are without discipline, as which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. It makes the father question, are you really mine? Because if you were mine, I could discipline you. He said, if you love me, you would do what? Keep my commandments. 
So when we love the father, what happens? We allow him to discipline us. When we love the father, we allow him to discipline us. When we love the father, we look forward to discipline. Why? Because there's no inheritance for bastards. There's no inheritance for bastards. And this is where most Christians are. I told you, you can't look. The difficult part about going to this ministry is what you're being taught. Because you're being taught that you are children, you are expected to act like children. You can't escape what you're being taught. Verse 9, furthermore, we had fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? But like I told you, that in itself is an orphan issue because all of us didn't have human fathers that disciplined us. All of us didn't have fathers, watch this, that we respected. So now you come into the church and we got to give you a lesson on respecting fathers. We got to give a lesson on respecting leadership. Because you got to remember the Lord's discipline comes to what? The body. <laughs> the Lord's discipline comes to what? His leadership. The Bible said that Jesus gave a fivefold ministry. Watch this. As a gift. To do what? To perfect the saints, to equip the saints, to build up the body and for the work of the ministry. Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God and we arrive at the full stature which belongs to Christ. So the discipline is supposed to take place until we are mature in Christ. This is Abba's idea of disciplining us. Verse 10 says, for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. Now, holiness is the character of Christ. The spirit realm only responds to the character of Christ. Ask in my name. What does that mean? Ask with my character. Ask in representation of me. Don't just ask. Ask knowing that you have been, that you are like me. Ask knowing that you have the mind of Christ. I only do, come on now, what my father tells me to do. The spirit realm responds to the character of Christ. Verse 11. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. <laughs> the scriptures talk for themselves in this, right? It just speaks for itself. I don't have to teach this. I can just really say it and walk off stage. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. And a lot of times, it ain't even, it's not the pain, it's the side, it's the soreness that comes with the pain. It's the injury. The injury of your ego. 
It's a distress, the uncomfortable, the uncomfortability that pain, that discipline brings. It's the trouble. It's a distress. It's the pain and agony of your mindset while you're going through the thing. So he lets us know that no discipline seems enjoyable. No, it does not feel good. He says, but later on, however, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been what? Trained by it. So while we're going through it, we're supposed to be looking at down the line that the only reason why my father is doing this is because he wants me to have a peaceable fruit about myself. He wants me to have peace within my soul. So he says it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now I want you to imagine this. You're a basketball player. There's women basketball players too. Where my lady hoopers at? I got any lady hoopers? Oh! Come on now. Imagine. Game on the line. You got the ball in your hands. You down by two. You go to the hole. You get fouled. You make the shot. Game tied. You got fouled. Now you need one free throw to win the game. This ain't the time for you to be working on fundamentals. This ain't the time for you to say, well, let me make sure my, my, my feet are shoulder width apart. Let me make sure my elbow is in. Let me make sure my follow through, bend my knees and I follow through. At this point in time, with the game on the line, this should be one motion. It ain't the time for you to be working on training. It's too late now. You should have trained for this already. This is what we're going through. And if you have not trained, only thing that's going through your mind right now is the times you complain about not training. The excuses that you gave why you couldn't. <laughs> now you're under pressure by way of your own excuses. That's why you have to understand when it comes to training, you want to train even when you're going through. The going through does not mean stop training. Because it will come a day where he's going to call you to the forefront and you're going to have to perform. Your destiny is coming regardless if you're ready for it or not. Me and Dr. Hardy... I told you, before we started this ministry, Dr. Hardy was getting her doctorate degree. She was ready to start her practice. I, we had just built a new home. This is before the ministry. I need y'all to know that. We, we didn't buy our house with no ministry money. We built a house without the ministry. Okay? I just need you to know. None of my cars, none of my shoes is ministry money. I don't take a salary. I don't know. The, the work, the money that comes here is for here. Y'all got more money than we have. Okay, back to the store. Okay. So she was ready to be a doctor. I was building out my basement, getting ready to, uh, I built me a recording studio, and I'm thinking I'm about to be the next 
well, y'all, I can't, no matter who I name y'all, Jason Joshua. Nobody knows. See, nobody knows who I'm talking about, okay? I wanted to be a great uh, mixing engineer. Quincy Jones, yes. Well, he's more of a producer. But, but yeah, Quincy Jones. We, won, we were not thinking about ministry. Why am I telling you this? Because whether you're thinking about it or not, when he called, you, you got to do it. You got to answer. We're sitting in our room, and we're just praying as usual, and then the spirit just rests in the room. And we had heard him a couple weeks. We just keep hearing him talk about ministry, talk about ministry, talk about ministry. And we're like, what we going to, us? You want us to start it? No, no, no. You want us to start a church? And we sat in that room, and the spirit rested on us. And my wife turned and looked at me. She said, this is happening, ain't it? I said, yep. Whether we ready for it or not. He's going to call you whether you ready or not. But remember, the training is discipline. It's discipline. Everything you go through is discipline. Every person that lies on you, every time you don't have, what did Paul say? I'm content. It's a discipline. Verse 12, therefore, training, strengthen your tired hands and weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may, be, may not be dislocated but healed instead. So he's telling you to train, train, train with your spiritual walk in mind because if you stop training, then you get weak. If you stop training, then your hands and your, your hands get tired, your, your knees get weak, and you get off the path, and you begin to get lame. So the Bible says that discipline heals your spiritual life. Y'all don't like this, do y'all? Verse 13, he says, and make straight, okay, make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed. Verse 14. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Now. He's letting you know why you are training, why you are going through these things. He says, still pursue peace with everyone. He never gives us an out to not be like him. He says, make sure that no one. So watch this. This is not, this is not just about you. This is about your brother and sister. He said, make sure no one falls short of the grace of God, which means don't abuse grace and don't neglect grace. Don't look at the fact that because you know now that you ain't going to hell for sin, don't, don't use that as an occasion to sin more. Then he's telling you at the same time is when you make mistakes, don't fall into guilt. 
grace has a balance. Because the whole purpose of grace is so we can do what? Grow. The whole purpose of grace is so we can grow. Grace lets us know as children of God that if I make a mistake in a relationship, that the Father does not leave me. Because they told us in the church that sin separates God from us. They told us in the church that the moment that we make a mistake, Benjamin, that God was out the door. (laughs) That he no longer wanted to have anything to do with us. That he cared more about the mistake than he cared about the person. And so what ended up happening is we we start living a a life of guilt and then we start living a life of walking on eggshells. Then every time somebody made a mistake against us, we didn't know how to forgive. But the Bible tells us to forgive. And the Bible tells us that he won't forgive us until we forgive them. But then we were taught that he doesn't forgive us. (laughs) So as a man with a wife and kids, what do I do when they don't listen to me when the church taught me that God abandons me? You see now, right? You see now. If I'm taught that God is going to walk out on me, if I'm taught that the, that, that the moment that I do something that he doesn't like, that he's going to forsake me, then as a man, that's all I can do is give what I know God would do. I'm not better than him, of course. But it's not that. It's just discipline. So he says, make sure no one falls short of of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up. You got to hear this. okay? you're going to go through things. People are going to betray you. Say amen. Say it loud. People are going to talk about you. Say amen. The Bible says then make sure that no root of bitterness springs up in you. Why? Because it causes trouble and it defiles many. Because undisciplined behavior is a cancer in the body. Not only is it a cancer in the body of Christ, it's a cancer in your body. Most Christians get sick because of their mind. I ain't getting no amens today. God, oh, I'm, I'm looking for an amen. Can I get one amen? I just need an amen. I just make me feel good about myself, okay? <laughs> I know, you, you know, when the food good, we don't talk. I get it. Verse 16. Here we go. I got two verses left, but it's me. Verse 16, and make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. He didn't want to be disciplined. He was hungry. He wasn't content. He couldn't wait. He had to get his money. I mean, he had to get his food. (laughs) He had to have his influence. So the scripture says, and make sure that there isn't any immoral, 
Immoral means you won't conform to the image of Christ. Or irreverent. Irreverent means you take nothing serious. You don't take church serious. You don't take people serious. You don't take your spiritual life serious. And because you don't take your spiritual life serious, you're, training, you're trading it in for a single meal. A promiscuous relationship. A single meal. A job. You only get money. That's a single meal. Influence. You're going to trade in your birthright, your inheritance. You're going to refuse the discipline, and you're going to trade it in to be influential. A single meal. Which means you get that thing, but you don't get the peace that comes with it. You don't get the joy that comes with it. You don't feel loved. You don't get to hear the spirit. Verse 17. It says, for you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. And he sought it with tears, but he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. I need you to see this because this is why I ain't into all the altar calls and you coming up here crying. That's why I ain't into the emotional altar call church. The Bible says that he wanted the inheritance. He wanted to inherit the blessing, but he was rejected. But he sought it with tears. He was at the altar crying. But he didn't get it. Why? Because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Which means he wanted it, Serena, but he didn't want to change his mind. He wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want to give his will up. He wanted the inheritance, but his heart just wasn't into God. <laughs> he wanted his inheritance, but he didn't want to pray. He wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want to fast. He wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want to deal with discipline. So the scripture says he was rejected from his own birthright. That's why we show up here. So that Christ can be conformed in us. We need the mind of Christ. But in order to get the mind of Christ, you have to endure the discipline of sonship. And when I'm talking about sons, when he talks about sons, he's talking about men and women. He talks about sons because he has one son. Say one son. He has one son. That one son is Christ. But he has many children. And because we don't want the mind of Christ which is a mind that says, I will build my church. 
then this is where the origin of soul battles come from. The origin of soul battles are mindsets that are contrary to Christ. Soul battles happen when your mind is contrary to Christ. Because it needs discipline to conform to the mind of Christ. Say, I need discipline. Um, y'all know y'all don't. Come on, say, come on, give it to me. I need discipline. I need somebody to tell me, no, stop, don't. I need somebody to tell me, be there on time. Do it with the right spirit. You talk too much. You need somebody to discipline you. And this is the issue. Because we are selective. Mm. We are selective to who, what, and when the discipline will take place. Amen? We're selective to who we will let discipline us. Who he think he is. I hear from God too. Mm. Be here at this time. Who he think he talking to? I get there when I want to. Okay. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about your boss. Okay, now, come on. because I, I want y'all to try to throw no elbows at me. I'm talking about your parents. I'm talking about your spouse. Let me admit something to y'all. Dr. Hardy, she get on my nerves with this thing. She does. So she has a charger, right? And the charger takes, says in the booklet, 87 grade of gas. But Dr. Hardy thinks if she puts 89, it'll make it run better. I want you to get this. I put 87 in mine. So this is how, this is how deep it is. So I go to put gas in her car and I hear the spirit say, she said put 89 in there. I'm fighting, it's 25 cent more. I'm everything I can to get out the simple instructions that my wife has already told me and I want her to listen to me. I'm sitting at the pump and the spirit, that's simple, ain't it? Can you imagine how deep this thing gets? And so you know what I did? I put the 89 in there. Why? Because she said it. I'll give you another one. I'm not, I'm not big on English and all that, so when I type out my messages, I always leave everything on caps lock. I'm admitting it. I text Ola, Ola, like, why is you typing me in caps lock? I guess she thought I was yelling at her. I just type everything in caps lock. I just, it always stays on. But my wife comes to me one day, she said, you shouldn't do that. She said it nice, she said it eloquently, she said it, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping, I'm barking on the inside. Oh, you know, I'll do what I want. Why does it make a difference? Why are you worried about it? Set my butt down to do the message. Holy Spirit said, change them all. I did the whole message in caps, and he said, change them all. She just told you you had no reason not to listen. You had no reason not to listen. There's no reason for you not to change that. Endure discipline. Endure discipline. So we are selective to who, what, and when discipline will take place. 
We're selective. And watch this. This is not training. That's not how you train. You can't be selective about training. The coach says, show up at this time. This is when we're training. That's not how training works. That's not how discipline works. You have to enter into the protocol of discipline intentionally. You got to show up at divine generation like this fool trying to change me. You got to show up here like apostle trying to change me. He's trying to change my whole, he's trying to destroy who I am. Yes, I am trying to kill you so who you are in Christ comes out. If you don't, I'm closing, discipline yourself as a child of God, you will need deliverance based on your own disobedience to the Father's process. I'm going to read that again. If you don't discipline yourself as a child of God, you will need deliverance based on your own disobedience to the Father's process. What you obey cultivates you. The Bible says whoever you lend your members to, you are a servant to. If you do it to the Father, you're his servant. If you do it to Satan, you're his servant. Whoever you allow to cultivate your mind, because what you don't know, and but what you are about to find out, as we get along in deliverance, that deliverance, are deliverance or, or demons or the demonic are simply words. They're conversations. You let them into your rooms. They get into your room. They close the door and they build a conversation that becomes a personality. And now we got to violently remove it. Because instead of you growing up in the sonship of God, you have been growing up in the sonship of Satan. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. I go where I want to go. I say what I want to say. Can't nobody check me. You're a full-grown son of disobedience. That's why the Bible calls him the son of disobedience. Why? What are they disobeying? The father. They're not disobeying us. Jesus said if they deny you, they're not denying you. They're denying the one that sent you. And that's how it works in the military. If the, if the sergeant major leaves and decides he's going to leave a private in charge, that private is in charge of everybody who's under the sergeant major. So because of constantly being disobedient to the word, now Satan has to be violently removed from you. Because you train on how to be a bastard. <laughs> You've been in bastard training. I ain't doing nothing. I do what I want to do when I want to do. And you know the thing about it? The father said, I'll sit and wait. When you're ready, then I'll do it. You ain't no different from Jonah. He said go to Nineveh. But what happened? Where did Jonah training take place? Uh-oh. In the mouth of a whale. You see where you at? You see? You see where you not? You see now? It ain't got to do no it ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. 
He said, go to Nineveh, and you're on your way to Tarshish, causing hell in everybody's life on the way there. Let us stand.